everybody back to another episode of the Patient Convert podcast. I have my co-host with me today, Justin Nod, and some awesome guests joining me about a topic we haven't talked about yet. And we want to talk, I'll dive right into the practice admin side of healthcare organizations. So with me today, I have Marcus and Brenda. So go ahead, guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Brenda Messick. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I've been in medical practice management, um, directly in the practice and in the consulting realm for many, many years beyond 20. (laughs) And I'm Marcus Bullock um, from Atlanta myself, native Atlantan, here the practice administrator at ENT of Athens in Athens, Georgia. I've been in practice administration for close to 20 years and another 10 or 15 in different field of management after that, but just really enjoying my time as practice administrator in the medical field. And being a practice admin, we were talking before we started recording the podcast, or at least we thought before we started recording the podcast, about the many roles and responsibilities a practice admin had. And today on our podcast, we want to talk about kind of what that looks like, how we got there, and of course, some of the most important things for practice admins, and that's support and networking. So we have some big announcements and some really great news coming, so stay tuned. But I want to ask you guys, how did you come into this role as a healthcare executive, becoming a practice admin and supporting your doc? Uh, For me, it was easy. I'll I'll go ahead and start, Marcus, unless you want to. But for me, it was easy. I grew up um, with a mother who is a director of nursing and a father who's a PhD biochemist. So we had nursing and science and, you know, you know, I would hear about the hospital every night, the emergency room where she was director. And I knew I wanted to be in that field because I guess at that point, I didn't know what else there was out there. So I just assumed that I would. But even at an early age, I told my, you know, dad, I wanted to uh, work on the top floor of a high-rise building and carry a briefcase. So I just in my mind, I knew, I, you know, I was going to be in the business or admin uh, world. And the science and medical side was what I related to. So I just, uh, out, of, out of college after majoring in business, I just uh, blindly applied uh, for a consulting job and got my dream job as my first job right out of school where I learned everything that I knew and they taught me everything. They called me homegrown. Homegrown. Yeah. That was a Gates Mooring company where I, which later merged with PYA, which is a really large organization. That's my story. Well, that's big because you're talking about kind of going into the consulting side before, you know, becoming that healthcare administration or healthcare executive. And really like a little bit backward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's huge because you're setting down that foundation and I want all my listeners to hear this isn't something you just kind of hop in and each person has their own unique story, but the consulting side had to be such a big thing for you as you progressed into different careers and and ultimately finding yourself where you are. Yeah, that was like my schooling you know, for this area of work. Fire hose is my husband. Exactly. (laughs) And then, and then I got a, you know, a gig on weekends working in in an urgent care center so that I would have some hands-on experience. Actually, it was their recommendation, but it was a great, you know, it was great for me because I I could actually, it gave me more confidence to talk to physicians um, because I was actually doing it at the same time that I was kind of submersed in that healthcare environment at the same time as having this dream job. What about you, Marcus? Let's hear your story. Yeah, well, my transition to healthcare was actually an answer to prayer. I had about 20 years in another field, uh, which required a lot of long hours, a lot of travel away from home, and uh, started looking for something outside of that. I uh, got married later in life, and kids came along, and I just didn't want to miss the amount of life I was missing. And a friend of mine who was a market manager for HC Physician Services uh, asked me one day out of the clear blue sky if I'd ever thought of a changing careers. And I said, sure. And I sent her my resume. Two weeks later, I'm working as a practice administrator for HCA Physician Services. She said, I need somebody that can handle the business part. And I can teach you the medical part. And I took that challenge and I fell in love with it. Um, you know, the, the hours, uh, the, the quality of life that it's given me. And a lot of my prior experience in sales, sales management, managing uh, people, marketing, uh, I didn't get to use a lot of some of those skills that I had working for hospital-owned practices. But when I transitioned to independent practices that weren't owned by a hospital or owned by uh, someone else, 
uh, that's when I was really able to take the skills that I have and plug them in. And um, I, I love it. I wouldn't do anything else. And that was 17, almost 18 years ago that I had that opportunity and never looked back. Well, see, so you started more on the sales and marketing side and kind of transitioned into this. Yeah, I had um, sales, sales management, marketing background. You know, the management principles are applicable to most any field. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, it's an incredible challenge. I don't know if you can really say the term managing physicians because it's more, <laughs> you know, uh, or you uh, have a background in herding cats or shoveling fleas. It, you know, there's a lot of art and science to it, but, yeah. um, you know, part of the fun of the challenge is, is getting through that. Well, you bring up a really good point. So what is your biggest challenge as far as communicating with your physicians? I know some people out there may have questions about, I'm just having a really hard time getting through, getting through with some of my new ideas, with some of the directions I think we should go in. And how did you overcome some of those challenges? Well, for me, when I walked into ENT of Athens a little over five years ago, had two physicians that started the practice 45 years ago and a couple of newer physicians. And a lot of it is understanding your individual physician, how you communicate with them individually and as a group. The two uh, older physicians that started, they just wanted the bottom line. The two newer ones wanted charts, graphs, spreadsheets, and more data than um, you can imagine. So when we sit in business meetings, uh, I'm having to give data to two of them, and the other two are like not so much. So it's kind of walking that line, uh, giving them individual what they want in a corporate environment. Uh, But I find generally the, the younger physicians uh, they're very data driven. So, you know, try and come to the table with my facts and figures and, uh, um, you know, kind of a, and a lot of, a lot of it, especially in terms of, um, decisions on the practice are balancing the needs of the physicians versus the needs of the employees and finding that happy medium between the two. So, uh, so everybody can get to where they need to be. Yeah, I agree with Marcus. I think you pretty much have to to learn their love language. And, you know, it's just like a marriage, just like friends, just like staff and employees. You've got to you've got to give them what they need, you know, and sometimes it's just going to take time. Sometimes it's just going to be, you know, a situation where you prove yourself. You know, I mean, all, all situations are different. Um, but the, you know, the administrator will succeed if they have the support of the physicians. Um, so it's very important. So you don't want to ignore poor communication, right. you know, you really want to, to address it with, with confidence and, and I know they're the doctor and, you know, and they have all this education and it, it can be a bit intimidating, but they're just people too. And we both want the same thing, right? We want this successful practice. And so I think that the best thing to do is just do your best, do your homework, be prepared, be the best leader that you can be, help them and speak their language. And then if, if, if it's not uh, working out real well, just be direct, be candid. I think Brenda hit on a very important point is the relationship that you have with them is key. And what you'll be able to accomplish is a result of that relationship. For example, when I first started out, one thing I realized very quickly, uh, I made a rule is whenever a physician asks me to do something that goes to the top of my to-do list. And it can be benign or it could be major. But if they know I'm listening to them, they know that I'm responding to their needs, uh, then they know that they can count on me to respond and listen to the other aspects of their practice. So, and conversely, conversely, if you, you do not, because you, you know that that is well down the priority list as far as important things that you need to do, then it, it, they will, you know, assume that you're not listening to them and that could, that could speak volume. So that could be detrimental. So good point, Marcus. Yeah, that's great advice too for people getting into the position or maybe struggling right now with communicating with their physicians. I know even training my liaisons, that's one thing. I do a lot of referral validation feedback with physicians. One of the things they said is just tell me if you're going to do something, do it. 
And I I think that is pretty consistent across the board in healthcare. Sometimes they don't feel supported or like you said, heard. And I love that you just said one tip, Marcus, is just try to get that to the top of my list. And I think this, as soon as you prove and establish that relationship, you're going to have a little bit more support and a little bit more support and at least, you know, a little bit more of their ears and and, and they'll respect it more as you get these things done. Something just one more point. Something I learned the hard way is you, you should over-communicate. That is what gives confidence to your physicians. Over-communicate. You might be thinking that you're saying you're giving too much information. I'm, I'm, I'm very careful about wanting to be very efficient with their time and not send too many wordy emails and not send too much, you know, because they've got their, but then on the other hand, if they're not hearing they're, then they're wondering, you know? So, you know, I think that communicating and over communicate, they can always say, Hey, we got you. You know, you can give me a summary once a week. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you have to communicate. Yeah. So you guys are the bridge. You gap that communication between some staff members, sometimes the first faces of the practice and the physicians. And you're kind of in between. Sometimes you're directing the practice you're managing other staff members. And then of course you're offering advice, counseling and, and working with physicians as well. So what is some advice or tips that you guys use besides the ones we just mentioned um, that help you kind of bridge that gap between physicians and staff members that may not get as much interaction or be as involved together? Yeah, that, that, you know, that's been, can be a really tough position to be in, to be the advocate for the patient, or excuse me, the advocate for the staff right and and yet also serving's not the word but supporting the physicians and and trying to obtain their goals at the same time so it's it can be very very sticky it's 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 uh it can be a slippery slope so you've just got to again communicating trying to um just critically look at every situation. And, you know, if, if, if you're on polar opposite ends, you know, staff versus the physicians and they're not quite getting, um, or, or, um, you know, thinking, you know, thinking along the same lines, you know, sometimes you might have a physician that's completely, you know, well, I'm, I'm rambling and I won't go, but yeah, this is a difficult one. And you really just got to think it through and decide the best way to manage it. And otherwise you're going to, lose the support of, of one of the two, which is, can't have that. (laughs) What about you, Marcus? What are ways you bridge the gap between the physicians and their staff? I think it takes being strong, but flexible. The worst thing you can do is be the squishy middle because both sides will squeeze you and you'll wind up being ineffective. Um, And I know this is a lot of very challenging for a lot of my peers to do, uh, but you really have to be able to tell the physicians, what reality is, as you see it, what the situation is, don't candy coat it, you know, let them, let them know what's going on. And, and the biggest challenge obviously is um, the physicians have certain goals they want to achieve. Your employees have goals they want to achieve personally, professionally. And, and a lot of times they're opposite ends. You have to be consistent. One thing I ask my physicians, I have, uh, you know, seven different providers is whatever our policy is, it has to be consistent. I can't have one physician over here, two physicians over here. People need consistency. Um, people need to know what the rules are. They need to know that the rules are being enforced and, um, you know, the, there has to be that humanity and, you know, and a, a reality of being a practice administrator in an independent practice is the acknowledgement of the golden rule. Those that have the gold make the rules. So, <laughs> you know, the, at the end of the day, the physicians get to set the tone and the tenor, uh, and we are to accomplish what their vision is. And hopefully along the way, we can help with that vision. We can alter it. Uh, we can come along beside it. We can uh, communicate it to the employees. But, you know, finding that balance is what I find is the biggest challenge in my job is bridging the gap between making both sides happy. Mm-hmm. I can imagine being squeezed on both sides. Well, sometimes with marketing, even as the agency owner or even in physician liaison marketing, when you dive into a practice's marketing and you start pulling up things, sometimes you learn that there's some inefficiencies or maybe additional training needed within the staff. So how do you guys approach 
in your experience successfully, those red flags. So let's say you have a review and it says, you know, really enjoyed meeting Dr. Jones, but Victoria at the front was really rude. And you have maybe three things that mention that particular person's name. So now you're starting to learn, maybe there is a little bit more training needed. How do you approach that with your staff? How do you approach that with the physician? I address it head on. I, if, you know, I think that the best thing that we can do is to receive patient feedback. It's the only way we know it could quietly leave us you know, we never know what we did wrong, even if it's the smallest thing that it's hard to put their finger on. Uh, so I think that, you know, through patient surveys, you know, that's the best way that you can get this feedback. Um, and if it's, if it's something that a, a majority of negative feedbacks, we'd actually call the patient, get a little bit more information, make sure it's truly a balance. You know, sometimes you just get that, that patient that is going to complain about anything and everything. Certainly if we see a trend, you know, that don't know their insurance. Policy. Yeah. Yeah. Just if you're listening, guys, negative reviews will happen and they'll probably they will, happen. They, <laughs> they will happen. And if there's a trend, you know, take it directly to the employee and figure out how, you know, we can uh, improve that um, performance or customer service or communication or whatever it is. Maybe it was errors with quoting benefits or errors in, you know, the finances, or maybe it was just, I thought she was rude to me. You know, these are the things that you can work with your staff and, and improve. Um, now, when those negative reviews are with the physician, we handle it the same way, you know. Physicians don't, you know, physicians get negative reviews and physicians uh, need to understand what they are doing. I've had a physician who have said, okay, Brenda, you were in the room with me today. You know, he said mentally with, you know, with my patient this afternoon, I took what you said earlier, how the fact that I, you see, you know, the patient said, I glanced at the clock. Patient said, you know, you know, all the things that you don't do. You don't stand up, walk toward the door while you're still talking to the patient with the hand on the door. That means you're, you know, you're rushing the patient. All of these things that I said, these are all the things that you need to not do. And he, I was so proud of him. He said, you're in the room with me mentally today. And I did all of those things. So, you know, if, if you, if, if you come from, the perspective of, of wanting to improve and it's not personal. It's just, how can we be better? I think that you'll get, you know, a better outcome. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all about kind of evaluating that. Well, part of the thing becoming a practice admin is we need support from our physicians. We talked about that early on in the podcast and a continuing education factor. We all connected on LinkedIn, but we're also joining an amazing event coming up and it's something I, I cannot stop talking about is networking, networking, networking. Why does it matter in the healthcare world? And, and it's about who you know. And especially when we're connecting physicians and practices, when you're so closely working with other physicians and healthcare organizations, the more people you know and the more you can connect, and it's a lot easier to get through the door. So let's talk about kind of how we're all connected right now, besides LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and why we feel that you know, as a practice admin, how important it is to any of you physicians out there, healthcare executives, why it's so important to help with continuing education, provide support through networking events, and um, kind of one we have coming up. Well, when I worked for HCA, uh, four times a year, we would go to the corporate office in Nashville with other managers practice administrators from across the country uh, and um, a yearly convention. And we would network, exchange ideas, um, bounce things off of each other. And the reality is, as practice administrators, we pretty much all have the same exact experiences, but how we handle those uh, is usually according to our personality. And we don't have experiences where we can step out and see how other people handle it. Maybe if there's a better way, or maybe we appreciate the way we're handling it. Uh, and then now as uh, working for an independent practice, uh, the um, and, and even when I was with HCA, I was a member of um, uh, Georgia MGMA chapter, the Lake Lanier chapter in Gainesville, uh, and a part of it, uh, again, just drawing on my peers' expertise, because the reality is 
there are so many areas that we are responsible for, human resources, uh, customer service, management, uh, all the different things. We cannot be an expert in each category. We just simply can't do it. It's not physically possible. So the areas that I'm not an expert in, maybe I go to Brenda, who I know is really on top of the HR and say, hey, Brenda, I'm having this issue. What would you do? And then she comes back a couple weeks later in another area and says, hey, Marcus, what would you do? Um, the networking, and, and it is nice to get together and socialize. That is a, a benefit. But from the professional aspect of uh, how networking brings value to the practice of man- administrator position is it gives us access to knowledge we wouldn't otherwise have access to. And a perfect example, back during the pandemic, one of the things that was happening was we were facing a lot of legal issues that we had never faced before, especially with the uh, PPP loan and and just different things. So the the state Georgia Medical Group Management Association went to our go-to healthcare lawyer and said, hey, uh, can we retain you for three or four months and you answer all the questions? Because we're getting hundreds of questions that we don't have the answer to. And they worked that out. So on our listserv, we were able to go in and ask the questions that we needed answers to, to manage our practices through a pandemic. And that's a form of networking. And then, you know, once that answer would come out. Then there was that exchange of ideas. People say, well, this is my situation. No, this is my situation. Um, Here in Athens several years ago, we did not have a local chapter. So um, uh, Brooke McDowell at Elbert Medical Center and I got together and petitioned Elaine Cook with the state agency, and they granted us a chapter. And we started a chapter here. Um, We had a lot of people in Athens who were members of the state, but we didn't have a local chapter. And Before we even had our first meeting, we had almost 25 members because that need was there. You know, people want to have a resource outside of them because there's there's just a lot of times you wind up saying, I have no idea what to do about this. It'd be nice to have a resource, pick up the phone, call your peer. Or you might have an idea. Yeah. Because, you know, particularly with a small practice, small practice, say, you know, less than 10 physicians. You know, you are not going to have in-house counsel. You're not going to have an HR, you know, chief of HR who is, you know, focuses all his or her time on that. You're not going to have your regulatory and and HIPAA, you know, so you've got to be a generalist. You've got to know something about everything. You've got to be able to talk the talk and, and, and be familiar and then know where to go to get those answers. So that, you know, I 100% agree that for me, that is what, um, you know, MGMA has been, um, is, is a resource for information. You know, we, we can't all be regulatory experts. Exactly. I mean, because any one of these areas, we could spend all of our time working in and we, and we just can't do it. And, you know, to have practice, you know, colleagues in, 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 in our position from all over the state and all over the nation with MGMA national. I mean, this is, you know, this is a national organization where this is just a, 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 a um, state chapter meeting that we're talking about and getting super excited about going to soon. But I, I, I've gotten, you know, so many um, leads just from the listserv, which, which this organization has where we can shoot out a question and, you know, get, you know, other practice managers will, will, you know, answer and provide documents, provide resources, provide links, provide, you know, contacts, you know, we're having, you know, the damnedest time getting X, Y, and Z health plan to, to, you know, pay my claims from a, a year and a half ago. And boy, if those managers don't come in with a phone number and a name and we're in it together, you know, and there, you just cannot be, you cannot have every single answer and still be a generalist. And it's hard when you feel like you're alone sometimes. Joining these networks yes. can really help you answer some of those questions like you yes. said, resources and of course connects you. Well, as a practice admin, I'm going to ask a physician liaison question and I'd love your feedback on this. You guys are sometimes the ones that a lot of healthcare sales and physician liaisons interact with the most. 
I know it may be a surprise to some people, but after initial contacts with physicians, sometimes the relationship is better with the practice admin. So what is your advice for some of those walking straight through the door? What are some buzzwords that they could say that will help you get them in contact with your physicians and their physicians, or that would provide value in that interaction as a practice admin? And then I want to hear some of the worst things <laughs> that you've seen have <laughs> to do. Well, I come from the subspecialty field. So, you know, what we need is what can you, what can you give to us? We need something from you. So what is it that you can give to us? Um, you know, and if it's a, if it's a, you know, a, a lab or a pharmacy, or if it's another physician office who's wanting our, you know, wanting to cross refer, it's what, what do you have that we need? And, you know, bring that, bring that to us, you know, and vice versa. As a subspecialist, I want to make sure that I am, I'm a, a subspecialty of reproductive health, uh, so infertility. So in that role, I would want to ensure that my physician liaisons are going to the OBGYN offices and proving that we are giving to you what you need, which is a, a successful, you know, constant of your patient and we are providing uh, your patient with an ex a, a wonderful experience and they have confidence in the care and we made you look good referring physician. Um, if it's a, you know, if it's a liaison from another, you know, related industry like laboratory or pharmacy, it's what can you give to us that is going to allow me to do a better job providing care to the patient? The advice, it's about providing value and working both ways. Yeah. I like yeah. to say one of the things I hate most mm -hmm. is when someone comes in and says, we have synergies. Because most of the time when someone's talking synergy, they mean mine. And uh, yes. <laughs> our, relationship, our relationship both ways. What about you, Marcus? Um, we, we are also a specialty. Uh, we rely on referrals from other sources. Uh, and it's not like primary care where you can have the same patients over and over. Our time with our patients is fairly limited most of the time. And we might see them for an issue now and then four or five years later, they may come back. But uh, new, new patients are our lifeblood. So it's vital that our relationship with our referral sources is there. Uh, the practice administrator, for better or for worse, is the representative of the practice. You are the one with the bullseye on your back. You're the one that when there's, uh, um, they couldn't, uh, when the referring source couldn't get their patient in to their satisfaction, with the switchboard, they're calling you. You are the manager that they need to speak to and they want to get what they want. And at that point, you have to draw on your customer service skills. And, you know, we, we, we have several rules in place for that. Like if a physician calls and wants to see a patient right away, our doctors will put that patient on the schedule regardless of what their schedule looks like. That's a commitment that we've made. That's a policy. The doctors are bought into it. So, and our, and it's also my job to let our referring sources know, you know, these are the rules, you know, this is what we can do for you. Um, we, cultivate those relationships. And for the past five or six years, uh, every December, I take our top 75, 80 referral sources. Uh, there's a local baker here that makes really nice, really nice cakes. They're very popular. And I spend three days delivering those cakes to our referral sources as a thank you. And it's gotten to the point now where when I walk through the door, they're fighting over the flavor that it is. And uh, so, you know, we're kind of known for that. But we also let them know that, you know, if there's an issue, please call me. I want to know. I can't solve a problem I'm not aware of. I'm the captain of this ship, so I need to know. So if you have difficulty getting patients to me, I am the person to come to. No matter how bad it was, come to me. Um, so for me, into the community, into our referral sources, I'm very proactive. I run referral ports every quarter to see, make sure that, our referral sources are still referring to us. If I see a significant drop off, I pick up the phone, call, ask if we've hurt their feelings, you know, just being very proactive. And then the medical community and the hospital towards us, um, you know, the physician liaisons come towards us. I just need to make sure that my docs have what they need from the hospitals and the surgery center to do their thing. And again, I'm responsible for 
making sure that that goes smooth. And as if it don't, I get the phone call anyway. So, you know, we're, we're where the buck stops and you have to own that. You have to own the fact that, um, you know, when you're in a store, something goes wrong. You ask to see the manager. We're that manager. Yep. I've had plenty of phone calls where I've had to, to say to a patient or to a referring physician, we failed, no excuses. And, you know, apologies. And we are going to fix it and it won't happen again. If it does, you have my direct number. And that's direct number is a big thing. I mean, it goes a long way. Yeah. Finding your unique niche. Well, we've talked a lot about kind of the roles and responsibilities, but I think overall for those listening, it is about continuing education. It's about networking, connecting, and relying on each other. If you are in this role and you're listening, they do connect and rely on each other. So how can they join the Medical Group Management Association? One one thing I'll say along those lines too is, uh, and I'm involved at the national level with our ENT Managers Association. And evidently for a lot of my peers, it's a hard sell getting their providers to pay the money to join the organization. Oh. One of the things that Georgia Medical Group Management does besides the peer-to-peer interaction is we have business sponsors uh, statewide that join with us and they have areas of expertise, compliance, law, uh, IT, and they are resources for us as well. So if I have a compliance issue, I can access someone that does that every day. So what I what I did with my physicians when I first started is they don't have a problem spending the money, sending me to uh, the conferences. They just want to see a return on their investment. So during um, uh, one of the things that I've done is, like for example, if I have a compliance question, uh, I would tell them, okay, here's what I needed an answer on. Here's where I went. If we had not had that organizational relationship, it would have cost me $500 to get that information. It doesn't cost me that much to be a member of MGA for the year. We probably got tens of thousands of dollars worth of legal advice uh, last year uh, through the Georgia Medical Group Management Association, and I only paid a couple hundred dollars for it from being a member. So uh, uh, the the way, you know, you can go online to gmgma.com. All the information is there. Click couple clicks, you can uh, join uh, almost every area of that I can think of. of The state of Georgia has a local chapter that you can plug into uh, that has its own um, dynamic, has its own life. Each each chapter uh, has a life and a personality of its own. Uh, there's no there's no cookie cookie cutter in those. From as I've been to several different ones, um, and. Also, to be able to plug in, to, we have uh, two conventions yearly uh, for in-person networking, and we have vendors that show up, and it's an opportunity to talk with vendors, to get those relationships. If there's an area of your practice you're thinking about looking at closely, you may want to make a change. Uh, it saves you a lot of hassle in terms of phone tags and Zoom calls. You can go directly to the person, ask questions. So. Um, you know, it all starts on that website, gmgma.com. And I'll add to that, that, it, I mean, it is an, the value is unparalleled. We get so much for so little as far as practice managers um, in, in the, you know, it's, 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 and we, and we also have webinars throughout the year that are free. I mean, you're, you're honestly paying pennies a day. And getting so much out of it. And something else that I was going to add, another way to, to uh, I guess, cement the value of the membership in the conference to your physicians. I like to, after every conference, I, you know, I like to summarize some of the things that I brought back, share with them, even if they don't really care. They know that I... Uh, I, I, I learned and 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 I and and so they are getting a return on their investment instead of just assuming that oh that's nice they have it at the beach every year and you know is this really you know it's not something that you ever want them to to wonder about you know and so I always share with them you know just a quick summary of some of my favorite or or most insightful um, you know discussions that I learned it's a great way to show the value. 
Well, we yeah. that practice admins are the pillars of your practice. They manage many roles. They act as the bridge of communication between physicians and staff. They also handle a lot of executive decisions, managing reports, showing this information to their physician, and of course, continuing their education along the way because they have to stay up to date with almost everything and anything. And that involves a pretty large network and resource center. So we have an event coming up. And does anyone want to talk about the Georgia chapter and our annual conference? Marcus, you have the dates in front of you. I'll let you, I, but I can, I can just tell you it's one of is the spring conference is my favorite conference of the year. And we have, we have two um, with the Georgia MGMA, but it's a fabulous, usually a three day program. You know, we are a Georgia chapter, but of course we're having it in South Carolina, Um, but we're having it at Hilton Head. We like to have a good time too. We work hard and play hard. And so Marcus, you've got the dates in front of you. Uh, May 16th through the 18th at the Weston and Hilton Head um, in if you're going to get together, you want to do it in a place where people want to go. And yeah. one of the things that we have found over the years is we listen to where people want to go and we go there. And right now, everybody wants to go to the beach. We have uh, programs during the day, breakout sessions. We have keynote speakers. During the day, there's a lot of information, a lot of team building, a lot of opportunities to build those relationships where we don't cram so much into the day where we don't have time to talk with each other. Uh, we do dinners together. We, um, we have, uh, last year when we were in Savannah, we did a, um, a ghost tour through Savannah uh-huh. and it was really neat to be on the same bus. And there's a, there's really a connection that you make with people professionally in the classroom. And then there's another connection that you make socially, uh, and a lot of times that social connection will position you on a deeper level to engage your peers professionally. Um, we do have a good time. I'm not going to say we don't. What's the point of going to the beach without having a good time? But it's a very good balance. Um, physicians have CME and they go to really cool places for their CME. I would like to think that it's okay for us to go to a really cool place. And the one thing that I'll wrap that up with is, um, in terms of what we offer as an organization, question is really not how much or if we bring value. The question is we have so many opportunities. The average practice administrator has to be intentional about finding the time to take advantage of the webinars, to take advantage. You know, it does require you to be out of your practice for two to three days, which can you know, be a challenge when you get back. But like Brenda said, you bring back knowledge, you bring back uh, a lot of things to to make yourself better, to make your practice better. And you are doing yourself a disservice if you do not share all of that with your physicians. Let them know what they're paying for. Show that value as they understand value propositions. Very true. And for all of you listening, I would love to see you live. I got very lucky and was invited to be a speaker at the GMGA annual conference. Yeah. Cannot wait. (laughs) Good. I'm happy. So I'll be talking about using social media to elevate your brand, your reputation, your practice, and to drive new patients. So I want to meet you guys live. We're talking networking. Stop by. And we have an exclusive breakout session that my partner, Justin Knott, the genius in healthcare marketing on the digital side, is joining me as we're talking with practices, healthcare organizations, and practice admins on how to build the content. I get it all the time. Okay, we get it. It's content. So where do we start? How to begin? And the tools and resources we use. So join me at the spring conference this May 16th through the 18th in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and we can all connect and meet in real life and avoid this quarantine close out. We can wear real pants. We can have margaritas on the beach. It's going to be That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you guys great. so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's either kind of inroads or a way to be a support for the practice or what does that kind of usually look like um, as you're navigating those waters? You know, I, you know, I'll, I'll talk from the perspective of some of the challenges that we had early on. We felt that we, needed to have a story to tell and we were challenged with figuring out what that story was and or was it just you know and and 
I'm not a marketing expert. I never pretended to be, right? And so in order to really get, you know, someone on, on staff who could really lead us in that area, we couldn't afford them. So yep. we really do, you know, we really do need to go outside yep. um, to the experts such as you. And the hardest time that, you know, we had the hardest time ensuring that the physicians understood the value of that. However, I don't know that that's true anymore. You know, it, we've really seen, I mean, it's a no brainer now, you know, in the earlier days. Yeah, it was hard. Know, I don't, I don't know. Marcus, then, maybe you have something. And that's what's weird I find is there's so many layers to the onion in here. Because like you said, like a lot of times I'll find like we're engaging with, say, somebody like yourself. They really understand kind of why we need it, the conversation we're having around it. But then obviously you've got to go talk to the physician and the physician gets involved and you're explaining it to them. And then they've got to go to a group of physicians and make a decision. And so there's just like always so many layers to the onion. Yes, uh, yes. Or uh, real quick, Marcus, or if we we might engage with a, a, a company and for a campaign or, or, or you know, and in, in maybe the results weren't immediate or, or they wouldn't put the time into the time that it would take to really develop a, ma- a mature brand, you know, and then they pull the plug. So, well, we need, you know, six more ultrasounds and a microscope. So, I don't uh-huh. know. I'm into the medical field, I brought a very strong background in marketing. Uh, and the, the first question is for uh, practices, what do you mean by marketing? Uh, is, um, when, when I first got here a little over five years ago, uh, n- over 95% of our um, patients come to us through referrals. Yep. If we didn't spend a single dime on marketing, we would still have business. Uh, but they said, well, we've never had a marketing plan before. You have a marketing background. We'll put up a marketing plan. I said, well, you know, give me some, give me four or five weeks to figure it out. And I came back. I said, well, right now it's taking new patients four to six weeks to get in to see you guys. You don't need a marketing plan. If I put together a marketing plan at work, they'll only make that worse. You need another another physician. And they brought another physician on. So, um, and when I got here and, and you'll absolutely be horrified uh, not family. When I got here, our website was a WordPress-based website. Same. <laughs> and it 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 was like uh, Fred Flintstone could probably probably have the same yep. platform. Um, so, but we we dealt we dealt with that. And the gentleman that did our website was a family friend of one of the physicians. So the question I had is, do we want to come in make this professional, or do we want to do this like you know? Uh, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies. And they said, no, we want, you know, we want to be professional. So um, what we decided was in terms of our marketing, um, the the people, we have two businesses, Georgia Hearing Center, which sells hearing aids and the ENT. And the lady who was running the Georgia Hearing Center was spending $25,000, a year in high-end magazines that nobody reads and yellow page ads. So, you know, but bottom line is we had to we had to start from the ground up and actually figure out what marketing meant to us and what we decided it meant was the the brand and the way that we want to look because we knew that tons of people were going to our website so our focus was on making the destination worth um, making it valuable once the patient got there and there's a company called Fuel Medical which yeah. um, we get our hearing aids through, um, or allergy through, and they have a marketing department. About three years ago, I sat down with their um, their marketing head and his assistant and cast the vision for what we wanted to do. And three months later, they came back with the perfect, perfect plan. Um, and we, uh, I, I think our website's pretty outstanding. When people go there, they find what they need. Um, we had to work on our branding because we brought on a plastic surgeon, which is a whole different world, um, you know, type of thing from the regular ENT. So, you know, but for what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody that um, is going to be an informational resource because none of us understand SEO, SEM. Those are foreign terms. So those need to be explained to us. But they also, you know, and 
the the big and I'll just wind up wind up the biggest issue with marketing and showing the value to the physicians is it's very hard to benchmark marketing because it's fairly subjective in a lot of areas. With SEM, SEO with with internet marketing, we can track to a certain extent. We can put the fake phone number there to measure the calls. We can look at clicks. We can work look at click throughs. Uh, you know, can look at all that and that gives them an idea. But at the end of the day, um, it's still, um, you know, a lot of it is, is your sale is subjective. This is how we're going to help you. And it's, it's, you know, if you've been in practice almost 50 years and you've got a great reputation in the community and you ask the question, how did you hear about us? We will get, even if they heard about us over the radio or they found us in a search in our market, chances are their mother and their grandmother had their tonsils taken out here. So, um, you know, it's luckily my, my physicians see the value in marketing be out there, uh, but we probably don't spend as much as some people because we don't have to. Yep. But if, if you were to cold call me and, and try and get my business uh, and, and I, and I had that need, then, you know, I would be looking for somebody that could be very informational Personally, for me, even though I have a sales background, I don't like hard sell. Give me the information I need. Let me process it. And, uh, you know, you be my resource. And if it works out, doctors think it's the best deal. We'll go for it. But, you know, especially when it comes to the digital marketing, we just we just don't know you're the expert. I need information. I need to know how it all ties in. Yep. And at some point, I just have to trust you that what you're saying is going to work. Because Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah, we I appreciate that. that yeah. Lot. Yeah. Well, I have a question and feel free to say no if you don't want to. So I have physician liaisons that are ENT physician liaisons, infertility physician liaisons, and these are my students. And I hmm. do Facebook lives with them. And a lot of what I teach in my course is just kind of, you know, the value proposition. Like, what are you, what are you walking through the store that is they care about? Um, but some of them also have information about their own specialties they represent. I teach them how to connect with physicians and get that information. Long story short, I'm sure they'd love to hear from somebody in the industry. You know, here are the three things that we consider most when referring out and what matters most when somebody's talking with us at any time or maybe doing a LinkedIn live on a different topic like that. I know some physicians would like to know. So whenever you guys are up to it. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would be happy to. I'd, I'd love to do that. And I just wanted to, to add, if if we can step back real quick, is that with the last question, and, you know, we always thought that, that marketing was simply get, you know, get your website up to snuff and, and, and improve, you know, redo it every five years or so yeah. for 30, 40,000, $80,000. That seems like what we would pay for it. But it's not, you know, and 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 we can have all the marketing in the world and and get through social media and get patients to us. But at least in the subspecialty field where there's not always insurance coverage, we want certain quality patients. We want the quality patient who once they get to us, they're not just kicking the tires and, you know, woke up at couldn't sleep at 3 a.m. and Googled and found our name. No, we want someone who is invested. Right, right, right. So, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, what what you are, are doing with your daily um, videos, that is what the practices need. You know, that you're, 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 man, you're advising on how to um, manage relationships. I mean, everything that you're doing, that is, it's much bigger than I think, you know, word, you know, targets and, you know, all that. I, I think that the word- Thank you. Cause I work, we work really hard in those videos and you want to yes. make sure that it has some information that somebody walks away with saying like, Oh, that's a good idea. I want, I want them to find value in it. Not just here. Yeah. 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 The journey. Yeah. Marketing, which is like you said, SEO and SEM is just words. Sometimes. Right, right. Well, if you if, if you what you mentioned a minute ago about you know, drilling down, uh, doing something like this further, I'm I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. I would love that. The input that you guys give to my students are a closed off audience. That's not going to be very big. They're just going to be my my student base. It's not sure. be my thousands. 
followers on LinkedIn, but the LinkedIn one is fun too, because I want people, my goal in all of this is not only to help add value, but I feel the healthcare world in general is kind of closed off in departments. And I want people to learn how a physician liaison or an agency owner connects with a practice admin to provide resources back and forth. Yes. And to see how this circle goes in a loop yes. and really help each other. Because even the connections we build today on this podcast, who knows, you guys may send me an email down the line, you know, like, hey, we have someone throwing this at us. How accurate do you think this is? Like, I'd be happy to help answer some questions. I know Justin would too, just to help you maybe get some advice or, or make a good. Yes. I'm going to have questions. You know, my students have been asking me, what is the practice admins? viewpoint on this, you know, I can only give so much. Would you guys be willing? And it's just that, that feedback and insight goes so far for so many. And yeah. I really like them to see that on LinkedIn live. That oh, is- I'd love, yeah, I would love to, I love, to, I love teaching and sharing experience and I've learned so much from that from others. And so I'm, I'm very happy to share any knowledge that I have with anybody. If people will listen. I'll be glad to share. And uh, I hate to say this, Marcus, but I have to. And I was almost going to say it on the podcast, but I was like, no, I don't think I should. But roll tide. Oh, no. No. No, I can't roll tide. I have all my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see this in the background? You know what these are? Dogs. The number one mascot in the free world. Go dogs. (laughs) Well, I always enjoyed my time in Athens, sometimes a little bit too much when I'd go. I know. <laughs> yeah, that. I played, I played football down in uh, South Georgia, about us state. And so we made a couple trips up there to Athens a few times. And it's a, lot. Yeah. a blazer, a blazer. Yeah, no blazers. Yeah. I was on the 07 national championship team. I played DN there. Where, where are you guys from originally? Kelly? Orlando. Both Orlando, yeah. yeah. My dad went to Auburn and then right out of college, I was like, I'm going to go to Auburn. And um, I took a tour of Alabama and it was over. Was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and then I, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. So Yeah, but we spent uh, eight years in Atlanta and then we had our first baby in November. And uh, when we found out, we felt the calling to come back home because all of our family's here. So we yeah. bought a house in the Winter Park area in Orlando and moved back home. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, we were we were in the Roswell, well, just south of Roswell, south of the Chattahoochee and Sandy Springs. Okay, yeah. I'm in Decatur or North oh, yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, North okay. Atlanta. we were ju- we were right off of exit six on 400. I wonder if I've ever marketed to you. Before. I know, I, I know. I must have. I had to. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Beaufort, Georgia. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a small hit town. Now it's just yeah. a big hit town. We spent a lot of time early on in our <laughs> career doing liaison marketing up in uh, Sugar Hill and Beaufort and that whole. Yeah, area. Yeah. So Kelly, what about? What about oh, I'm sorry. Don't Kelly, did you go to Auburn or Alabama? I went to Alabama. Okay, Alabama. And um, her her dad always says as much money as he spent in Alabama that he's as big of an Alabama fan as he's an Auburn fan. (laughs) 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 Yo, I have I have a lot of relatives in northern Alabama around Gadsden and Piedmont. Okay, when I was growing up, they pretty much they wouldn't even admit that Alabama had a football team. Once Saban got there, I can't shut him up. So oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I actually started Saban's first year. So I kind of got there before the, I mean, obviously we won national titles when he was there, but it was before the whole, like, mm-hmm. well, I, I, I grew up a Georgia tech fan. My dad was a big tech fan. Oh yeah. Tech football games. But I went here to Georgia when Herschel was here. Oh yeah. Was yeah. An experience. Yeah. And fun time. You know, there you go. That's really Do you- I have a question about your work. Do you, have you jumped into the world of marketing directly to health plans? Like for example, um, case management or, you know, there are, there's a variety of these that have popped up in the fertility field over the last 10 years. Um, no, I'm, I mean, Jared and Maven are a couple of interesting. I see, I learned. No, this is yeah, I'd actually like to learn about new things every Yeah, time. learn about that a little bit more. That's that whole ecosystem is changing so much, even like with the telehealth boom, and then now yes. driven through the insurance yeah. providers like Teladoc and all of them. So it's, it's, yeah. So I think that's something that you might want to look to too as employers, as large employers yep. start 
crafting their benefits yep. to, you know, better be able to recruit savvy candidates, sure. you know, for example, and, and again, I keep talking from the fertility, but that is where that is a new benefit. That is a benefit that wasn't always there that more and more employers are offering as a benefit. One of, one of my closest friends that I went like all the way to kindergarten with, funny oh, enough, yeah. I was catching up with with him, they live in the Nashville area and she has endometriosis. So they've been having trouble. And he's like, I'm not really worried about it because she works for the state. She's a teacher. And she's like, well, she actually has fertility insurance. So it's a uh, 2,500 bucks max out of pocket for in vitro. So I don't have to stress about like having. That's exactly right. And, oh, yeah, and I've never even heard of that. Yeah. And it started with the, the West coast. You know, that because they everything happens there first, right? So they started recognizing that, well, if I'm going to, you know, want to attract this this great crowd of, of candidates from 25 to 35, I need to have, I need to give them what they what they want. And and so that's kind of morphed into these subspecialty case management management companies that are now packaging these services with providers, with certain providers that meet certain quality standards, these smaller networks, then going to the Coca-Colas, the AT&Ts, the Googles and saying, you know, this can be, this is what we're offering as an add-on to your basic Sigma package for this amount of money. And it's going to cost you, it's going to save you money in the long run because of X, Y, and Z. So that is, um, that I, I know a couple of people who are in the liaison sales marketing part from the provider side going to the employers. And I know that my liaison that I had in my practice could not get in the door. You know, all we wanted to do was do a one-on business-to-business, you know, arrangement where we would save the company money and we would get this 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 business and we couldn't get in the door. But it's, it's so well organized now. Look at Carrot and Maven as far as the fertility. Um, those are just two that are hot in the market right now. One's on the West Coast. One's on the things every time. No, I've worked with yeah. But that might be a that that's kind of like the next generation, or maybe not next generation, but a, a specialty area that you might really you could you could make you could make such a difference in, and or or talk with your students about. Yeah, I will. I will definitely bring that up. I'll say yeah. though, the truth is. You know, I'm not as familiar with it, but maybe it's something when we have you on and you're like, hey, we just touched the surface of this. But I have, yeah. a, I have a quick question. Maybe this seems like a crazy question after we've been talking about this for an hour. When you say the term physician liaison, what are you talking about? Not a stupid question. Not a lot of people know what it is. A physician liaison represents in your, for example, ENT would be someone hired by your practice to represent your ENT physicians to drive new referrals to the practice, either new patient referrals or existing referrals and bump that up. So like, you know, like sinus, you know, like um, wound sinoplasty, things like that, like high revenue type procedures, new locations opening, new providers to the practice. You need that referral stream that you talked about. So a physician liaison is hired to make those connections, primary care, oncology, allergy, and they go in and connect the physicians. That's exactly what I thought you were talking about. And I would say for the vast majority of specialties, just put that on our resume as another job description. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. When you said you pulled the reports, I was like, that's what a physician liaison does as well. So. But you have to stay on top. But you get the idea. I mean, it's essentially most physicians hire them when they obviously want to gain more referrals. But usually when they open a new location, have a new physician join or have purchased, you know, some kind of equipment or want to really ramp up a high revenue procedure. You want to get the word out. Yeah. To your referring physician, what's going on? Stay in front of them. When when we, when uh, we brought Dr. Kimball on, I was my first year here, the new physician, first time in five, six years I brought anybody on. Uh, I I called up 25 office managers and said, we would like to bring Dr. Kimball by, introduce him, but we'd like to buy lunch for your practice. And uh, whether it was 10 people or 30 people, we bought lunch for the practice, the access, 
And I told, uh, I went back and looked all the time I spent with that. Told the doctors, I said, you know, just you know, remember that come race time because that's another thing that I do. And it, it takes a lot of time to do it properly. Or it's staffing time. Yeah. You should have taken that dollar figure and said, we could have hired someone who could only do this. So that didn't take you away from your work, but that. But instead in, instead of that, just take that and give me a bonus. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and a lot of liaisons say that. Yeah, definitely. I marketed, I was trying to think if I went marketing in Athens. I used to, do you know Dr. Jeffrey Gallops? D D A U S. Yeah. G A L L. UPS. Dr. Oh, Dr. Didn't hear you. Yeah, but infectious disease consultants has an Athens. Location oh, that's right. Now. Yeah, they're in yeah. Athens too. I forget. Um, yeah, I used to do some ENT marketing for him as a liaison. Is actually how I started. Right. Marcus, while we, well, I still have you had a question. Is, is it a scent? Is that the one you mentioned? There's a an, a, an ENT. Um, yeah. Yeah. A scent. Um, I was actually looking at, funny enough, it looks like the October one is in is in at the Hilton in Buena Vista. Yes. Orlando. Oh, really? Yeah, in our backyard. Yes, I'm on the I, I'm on the planning team for that, and that's where we're going. Oh, that's crazy. Um, if you ever need a speaker, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> right. And like sponsorship event stuff. I mean, I mean, if you think it would would make make sense. I mean, obviously, speaker wise, I mean, we can talk to any of the marketing stuff that will help practices grow. But um, on the sponsor side too, if you think the admins there are are uh, a, a good um, target. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I can, if you want to send me your info, I can put you in touch with uh, either Trisha Long, um, who's kind of become the second in command there. She was a ENT practice manager for years up in Tennessee and, and through no fault of her own doctors took a different direction. So she started working for Ascent and it's really nice because she, she is one of us. Um, Robin Wagner is the um, executive director, and she does a great job of doing the administrative stuff, but um, she doesn't have the in-office, in-practice experience. But yeah, I put I put you in touch. We're always looking for sponsors, always looking for uh, um, always looking for more information. But it's a it's solid. It's very well attended. Um, of course, COVID messed stuff up, but uh, I, I'm the mid-sized community chairman and the first Wednesday of every month we have an hour call and I'll have anywhere from 25 to 40 practices on there that take an hour out of their day and you know one month we'll do a hot topic and then the next month we'll uh, have a speaker and like last week I had the digital marketing director from Fuel went over the basics of digital marketing because again most of our most of our managers were we're not that savvy we're Unfortunately, we're older than younger as a group. So, like, um, you know, when my kids were teenagers, they were my help desk for all things in-house IT. So, you know, there, there, there's definitely a need for that. So, I can put you in touch if you're interested in pursuing. Yeah, that'd be great. Savvy. That's why I always say on my videos, people will use marketing lingo to confuse people. It's not an age thing. It's just it's. It's like one of our least favorite words, like SEO and SEM, when people just say that's what they're going to do, because they're saying it so you don't ask a lot of questions and you don't feel stupid about asking questions or you don't want to look like you don't know marketing. It's just sometimes these words get thrown out from a lot of marketing people. And it's just a way that they like to sugarcoat some information. But it's like, what does that mean to me? And what does it look like on paper? What does it look yes. like? On basis? So it's, it's, it's I've experienced that. I could have sworn that this woman didn't say anything. But yet she left me and six physicians with her mouth open going, okay, she's brilliant. Don't know what she said and not even sure how it applies to us. Every every field has their own lingo. My wife is in the IT uh, project management, AT&T, and she can put together five sentences in a row of acronyms and I have no clue what she said. It's the same with... Oh, well, you know, we can track your SEO on your SEM and then your uh, words. And, the, and it's like, I know you know what you're talking about, but because I don't know what you're talking about, you have failed to communicate to me. Right. Um, right. You know, just just to find, find somebody that can uh, you know, uh, explain what it's about. Because in, in the explanation, you still really don't know. But in the explanation, that trust is built. So there's the relationship right. to move forward on. So. 
Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good video topic. Maybe we just do like a marketing vocabulary. Mm, <laughs> yes. The ABCs. Well, thank you guys so much. I will be reaching out. I really think not only my students, but I'd love like LinkedIn too. We have a pretty strong healthcare following. Just let's reconnect and do a few more. Let's do it. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I might have to hire a makeup artist. I know. You guys are going to get We're going to make you famous, Marcus. We were, Marcus and I were texting last night. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, have a ring in my glass. And I said, you're going to need to powder your head because we were joking, you know, at a meeting and a couple of months ago about how I get glares and he gets shines. Not that we ever do this, but. That's excellent. It's always. I think I had lipstick on my teeth, like for one of my biggest interviews that I recorded. I was like, nobody told me through the entire interview. Oh no! <laughs> but oh, well, um, you're you're amazing, and your videos are top notch. I really appreciate that. And, yeah, and just just to wrap up, make it look easy. Just because Justin is the CEO doesn't mean he's the boss. I just you know I, I know yeah. that. Oh, oh, he knows. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> she was the CEO for about six years. I so was the CEO. True. But then it evolved. I wasn't, you know, it was CEO and title only, and he was handling the CEO executive responsibilities. And it wasn't fair to the team either just to be CEO when he was the one interacting most. So I was like, obviously. And then but I had you're, a baby. You're 100% I like, I right. I want to be CEO and a baby. But yeah, Mark, if you could make that intro, that'd be great. It's, it's pretty funny that it's like 25 minutes away from where we live. So it's kind of perfect. Meant to be. Anyway, I can help you guys. You have my email now. If you guys just want advice or have a question for us, let's stay friends. Let's do it. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynott.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.